New Vision is a church that is about guiding people to lives of gospel transformation. Whether this is your first time listening with us or you're a regular listener, we're so happy that you're here. Monday through Friday, we release a podcast studying through a book of the Bible. Right now, we've focused our attention to the Gospel of John. Again, we're happy that you're here. We know God's going to do something great. And joining us today, Missions Pastor Bob Landum. Thanks again, Robert. It's good to be with you all today. I'm guessing a lot of folks listening have rafted or kayaked or canoed some of the whitewater rivers in Tennessee or North Carolina. You know, there's a moment, a point when you enter a rapid that there's not much turning back to be done. I mean, there's no good way of getting out of the boat and just sitting this one out. You're in it till you're through it. Now, chapter 12 is that point in John's gospel, in the ultimate mission Christ came to accomplish. Verses 1 through 19 include Mary's anointing of Jesus and the triumphal entry and all the people coming to welcome Jesus to the city. Today, we're picking up in verse 20 and reading through to the end of the, rap- to the, end of the chapter, to verse 50. I'm reading from the New American Standard Version. Now there were some Greeks among those who were going to, the wor- to worship at the feast. And these then came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee. And they began asking him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip came and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, saying, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And he who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. And if anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Verse 27, Now my soul has become troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. So the crowd of people who stood by and heard it were saying that it had thundered. Others were saying an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice has not come for my sake, but for yours. Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out, and I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. But he was saying this to indicate the kind of death by which he would die. And the crowd answered him, We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, For a little while longer, the light is among you. Walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in darkness does not know where he goes. And while you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become sons of light. These things Jesus spoke 
and he went away and hid himself from them. But though he had performed so many signs before them, yet they were not believing in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe. For Isaiah said again, He has blinded their eyes and he hardened their heart, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I heal them. These things Isaiah said because he saw his glory and he spoke of him. Nevertheless, many, even of the rulers, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him, for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. Verse 44, And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. And he who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Goodness gracious, and we could invest a year in this chapter, right? One theologian many years ago used the phrase, compressing the narrative to describe John's approach to presenting Jesus and all that he was and did. Transitional phrases in John's gospel aren't as important to him as the point, the teaching, the truth. And even John wrote at the end of the gospel that there was much more that could have been said, but there's no room to say it. But what can we discover and apply to what John says here in this chapter in his compressed narrative? Well, you know, first, from the very start, there is this recurring theme of God drawing the nations to himself, as in these Greeks who wanted to meet Jesus. You know, it kind of caught Philip off guard, right? Remember Philip? He got wigged out at the feeding in chapter 5. Well, there was a lot of Jewish nationalism at the Passover. I mean, this could be trouble if it went in the wrong direction. Jesus' response to their request, and I believe this is an example of the compressed narrative, his response reads like he's ignoring them. But I think he's actually responding to the unique claims of Christ to have the authority to draw all mankind to himself. He uses a familiar word picture for this time, unless a seed dies, dies to being a single seed, it can't produce fruit. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. And Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection has produced much fruit, right? As in going into all the world over the past 2,000 years with generation after generation and millions upon millions coming to faith and right relationship with the Father. But there's also a warning in this recurring theme of how God draws the nations. Jesus says, 
He who loves this life loses it. The word for life in verse 25 refers to one's focus of life, that focus typical of those far from God, the self-centered life, the unrepentant life, the life that tries to build its own kingdom of me. That kind of life is like those soap bubbles that kids chase in the backyard. They're shiny and they're colorful and they're floating along in the sunlight and then they're gone. Jesus said, if anyone, including these Greeks and you and me, anyone serves him instead of that worldly focused life, the Father will honor them. Remember, well done, good and faithful servant in Matthew 25. But there's a price to pay. And that's another truth from this passage. There's a price to pay. And where God's grace is concerned, Jesus paid that price. You know, it's been said many times, grace is free, but it's not cheap. It's not cheap when we extend forgiveness to those who've hurt us, is it? I mean, there's a cost, and for sure it cost Jesus when he paid this horrible price for our forgiveness. My wife, Cindy, and I were talking about this this week and how to the postmodern world, Jesus' death for our sins seems bizarre. I mean, how does God killing Jesus rescue us? Cindy used the illustration that rescues are costly and they're dangerous. And sometimes innocent people die in rescues. How much more would it cost to rescue the whole world for all generations for whoever will believe in him? Jesus used the phrase in this exchange, if I be lifted up, in other words, if I be crucified, I will draw all men to myself. His death was the cost of our rescue. Jesus paid that horrible price that grace could be free, but for sure it's not cheap. And it's that price he paid and his resurrection that proved he had the authority, the capacity, the resources to pay it. That price he paid that draws all men to him. Being lifted up carries the double meaning, too, not only of his crucifixion, but also his coronation as the king of glory. John draws these encounters with interested Greeks and offended Pharisees and random religious types to a close with a contrast, and it's pretty stark. The contrast is this. You can follow Christ. He uses the metaphor of walking in the light, of following his words and example, his love and outrageous sacrifice. You can follow Christ. Or, or you can go your own way. Even in the face of all you've seen and read, all the sermons, even as recorded in verse 28, hearing the literal voice of God again, for heaven's sake, you can go your own way. You choose. If you decide to reject this invitation, Jesus says, I won't judge you. That's not why I came into the world. But you will be judged by all that's gone before. Jesus declared, I know that his commandment is eternal life. See, God offers through Christ a life that is eternal. 
And the emphasis isn't on the quantity of eons and eternal life, but in the qualities of life devoted to Christ, the qualities of love and grace and forgiveness. That true life, that kind of life, is what Jesus offers to the whole world, understanding that starts right here at the top of the rapid in chapter 12 of John. Thanks for listening. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. Join us tomorrow as we continue through the Gospel of John. See you guys then.